let me just mention a couple of things before we jump into the Word. If you want to find your place, we'll be in Proverbs 3. We're going to pick up in Proverbs 3, but we're going to be in several different spots today. Um, let, me, let me give you a couple of resources. One of the things I am keenly aware of is that in any given Sunday, in any given message, I'm never going to be able to cover all the thought process or all the thoughts that we could cover from Scripture. It, you just can't do it in 30 minutes, okay? And so we, we try to be conscious of that, but at the same time, we want to resource you and make sure that it's an ongoing thought because ultimately, let's be real, what we hear in these moments is not just so we hear it and go home. The, the idea here is that we're taking in the Word of God to live it every day of our lives, right? So, so the goal is, how can we further this conversation? How can we keep going in what we're chewing on together? And so let me give you a couple of thoughts. I could never teach everything there is to teach on money management and financial management when it comes to God's ways in Scripture. So let me give you a couple of recommendations. First of all, I want to challenge you to search the Scriptures and read about what God says when it comes to finances. I would especially point you even to some of Jesus' own teachings. Um, one of my favorite passages is when he's stand, standing and watching the people go by and drop offering in, and he gives so much more uh, praise, if you will, to the widow who brought two mites versus those who had plenty to give because she gave all she had, and they gave from plenty of surplus. And the point being... She gave sacrificially. She honored the Lord in what she was doing in that way, whereas other people, they gave and didn't think a second thing about it. But she gave and determined her supply was from God. And so there, there's some very good, very good teaching from Jesus there. A couple of other resources, and I call these supplements to Scripture. We should never exalt... Uh, I, I'll give you an example. I'm a big fan of... Um, of some of the materials that have come out in the last several years. How many of you have seen the, the show Chosen? Anybody? Okay, so a lot of people know how incredible it is. Nothing wrong with that whatsoever. It gives you some interesting perspective to think about, right? But, but let's make sure that we learn Jesus and know Jesus first from Scripture and then from the other things, okay? Nothing wrong with the supplements. I'm just saying let's start with the Word of God because that's the ultimate picture of God we need but here are a couple of supplements for you. If you're in a financial situation and perhaps you are uh, caught up in, in quite a bit of debt and you're interested in trying to pay those things off, um, you may have heard of a guy named Dave Ramsey. Dave Ramsey has what's called Financial Peace University. His biggest, probably his most well-known principle is called Snowball. Uh, it's snowballing debt. So basically, if you've got multiple debts, you take the lowest debt that you have, the, the least payment, and you double it. And then once you pay off that low one, you take what you would have been paying there, and instead of just pocketing it or wasting it on other things, you then take it and roll it into the next payment and pay even more on that next one. And you keep doing that sequentially until you pay off your debts. Now, Dave Ramsey's got a few other really strong principles. He believes you should pay cash for everything. I don't think I live in his world. But, but there are some good principles there for us to take when it comes especially to debt and even Scripture speaks to being in basically imprisoned to that lender. You're obligated to handle that, and so it's good to not be in debt to others. So Dave Ramsey, uh, The Money Challenge by Art Rayner. 
Um, you may be more familiar with his dad, Tom Mariner's name, uh, but The Money Challenge, it's a really thin book. It's an easy read, but it talks a lot about money management. And then perhaps another that some of you, I think, have read, because I think we've talked about some of it one-on-one, there is a book called The Blessed Life by Pastor Robert Morse out of Gateway Church in the Dallas, Texas area. And in fact, he preached at an Assemblies of God Fellowship General Council here a few years ago, and he said to pastors, and I thought this was great, he said, don't be, basically, don't be ashamed or hesitant to preach what Scripture teaches about finances. Because you preach every other subject in Scripture in that power and authority and anointing. Make sure that you're preaching the whole counsel of God's Word. Don't be ashamed because God's promises come with, uh, God's, God's instructions come with promises. He's going he's gonna to take care of your needs. He's going to bless you as you obey Him. So, The Blessed Life by Robert Morse. Let's pick up in Proverbs 3. If you want to grab your copy and stand with me, we're going to read verses 9 and 10. And then again, I'm going to give you several other verses of Scripture throughout today as well. Proverbs 3, verse 9 and 10, we started here last week. We're going to pick up. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. Father, we thank you for your word. I ask that you would use me in these moments. May I make much of you, much of your word. And I pray, O God, that we would listen intently for what what you would say to us. Uh, Lord, I pray as I did last week, God, for those who are in a place of needing to reprioritize finances, or maybe those who are in a place that are really in a crunch and, Lord, need your touch in this area of their life. I just pray that you would work in their lives, work in their financial situations. May we honor you in all that we do, in every way that we live. And we thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated today. Um, we, we're only going to spend today finishing up talking about this mini-series, if you will, in Life Acts called Dollars and Cents. In Proverbs 3, verse 9, the Bible says, Honor the Lord with your wealth. And last week, we spent a little bit of time talking about wealth. That by global standards, many of us in our context would be considered wealthy or even rich. But many Americans have been uh, caught up with what we call affluenza. You may think of those words as influenza plus affluence. So affluenza. And it's just this idea that many Americans are caught up with a chase for wanting more. They're never satisfied with what they have. They've never satisfied with what they've amassed. They want more. So they spend their lives pursuing and seeking more. And, and we read last week, even by simple definition, the people who are constantly chasing more and who are never content, these are the people that are most dissatisfied, most overworked, most stressed, most anxious, it seems, in our world. There's a connection there when people are chasing money more than how can we honor God with what we have. Now, some of the greatest warnings, and I use that term specifically, some of the greatest warnings in the Bible are actually to people who are wealthy. I want to show you this in Scripture. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, we ended on this last week. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, okay, so not to think of themselves as better than other people, So not to be arrogant, 
nor to put their hope in wealth. And we talked about how in the last couple of years especially, people who maybe felt really, really completely secure in their wealth have realized just how fast it can change, right? I even used the illustration. I've known people with retirement accounts and I'm not telling you you should pull all your money out of a retirement account. I'm not telling you you should never invest in the stock market. But people have struggled in the last couple of years with watching that money shift. What they had is no longer what they had because of everything that's changed. It just goes to show things can change really quickly when our hope is in the wrong things. So challenge those or command those who are rich in the present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Now, we talked last week, having resources in itself isn't a bad thing. God gives us, as the Scripture even says, everything. He richly provides everything for our enjoyment. What matters is that we have the right perspective of our resources. We have whatever we have because God, the owner of it all, has given to us. And as a result, we want to honor God, we want to steward and manage the resources in a way that honors Him. Speaking of warnings in Scripture, Jesus said to His disciples in Matthew 19, verses 23 and 24, "...truly I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Now, I'm sure you're catching this imagery, or at least if you grew up in a time with a mom and or grandmother who sewed, if you've ever held up one of those little needles, I mean, it's hard enough just to get the thread through the eye of the needle. Come on, you need a magnifying glass just to get that through there. Can you imagine the visual there of getting a camel through the eye of a needle? We understand it's impossible. Right, But the premise of what Jesus is saying is it's hard for people who are rich to not grow into a place of depending on their resources, of feeling their security in what they have. This came on the heels of Jesus telling a man who came to Jesus and wanted to know what he had to do to be saved, and they go through all the commandments, and he says, I've done all of that. And then Jesus says to him, hey, I want you to go sell all your riches or give away all your riches and then come follow me. And what we see there is the man's attachment to his wealth and his security in his wealth was a hindrance to serving God. Now, let me quote what one writer said. Does Christ's statement in Matthew 19 mean that all believers should sell or get rid of their possessions? No. There is not necessarily anything wrong with having nice things as long as they do not get in the way of our relationship with God. He also expects for us to provide for the needs of our families and to provide for the needs of other people. However, we must be willing to give up anything that Christ asks of us because He knows what is best for us. Our commitment to Him can be nothing less. Maybe the evaluation for our life is if God came to you today and said, I want you to give a sacrificial amount of money. I want you to give an amount of money that you've been saving up for this special, uh, let's call it a toy that you're really wanting. Uh, if, I, if God's coming to you and asks you to sacrificially do those things, are you in a place where you would struggle to release that? Or are you in a place where, God, whatever you want, I'm just blessed to have what I have because of you? 
Riches can be a place of vulnerability. Now, before you think that I'm targeting the wealthy, I'm not, notice that another writer of Proverbs later illustrated that money is not just a potential issue just for the rich, but can also be an issue for the poor. Proverbs chapter 30, verses 8 and 9, the writer says, Give me neither poverty nor riches. Okay, don't let me get too much, but don't let me crawl around like a worm either, right? Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Does that sound familiar to anyone else? Give us this day our daily bread. There's something to that. Even in the illustration of how God provided manna from heaven. Anybody remember this story? God provided enough for each day. They were not to take any extra so that their faith would be grounded in God to provide the next day and the next day and the next day. Give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, notice what he says, I may have too much and disown you and say, Who is the Lord? Look what I've done. Look what I have. I'm good. I'm comfortable. I've got all these things. Or on the opposite end, I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of God. So God, don't give me so much that I become puffed up. And help me not to live in a way where I would do anything dishonorable. But Lord, would you just give me what I need for today? Can we be content? in what God has provided just in our needs for today. Money, specifically the love and the desire and the pursuits as a result of the love of money, can be a danger for anyone. We've got to have the right perspective. God is the owner. God has blessed us with the resources we have. We are the stewards and the managers of our resources, of those He's given us. So here's the question. As Jesus followers, our most important question in life is very simple. How can we honor God in how we live? And that's not just in how we work and how we are in our marriage and how we parent and how we talk and how we think and how we live and how we're compassionate and how we serve others. It all also goes to how can we honor God in our resources. So whether it's money or words or compassion or holiness, how can we live in such a way that brings honor to God? How can we declare our allegiance, our commitment is with Him? How can we focus our confidence in God... So how can we do the opposite of what's happening with some of those who may have so much? How can we not put our hope in things, but put our hope in God and not in our stuff? Now, the Bible has quite a lot to say about how we handle our resources. And we have to pay the bills. And anybody that knows any kind of utilities knows they're all going up. Anybody? I don't know about you guys. We we intentionally, when we moved in, we moved into a... Uh, third third floor apartment in Eden Prairie, and we did it on purpose. You know why? Anybody can tell me? Heat rises. You got it. So I don't have to turn on my heat as much as everybody else. I'm just trying to save a dollar somewhere along the way. We have to pay the bills. We've got to take care of our families. I, I can be amazed sometimes at how much a little five-year-old girl can eat. She's my, my middle is my best eater. You go to get the pizza. It's like get your own medium pizza from Domino's. Here you go. Just eat what you want. All right? There's, there's bills, and we've got to take care of our families. But what if I told you today that the first thing we should do with our income is neither paying the bills or taking care of our family? I want to talk to you first today about the word tithing, the word tithing, and this is a scriptural principle, 
that I'm going to show you in Proverbs 3, and then I'm going to give you some illustrations. I encourage you to go back and chew on this together. Now, I'm sure that there are some people in the room who are immediately saying, well, this message is probably more for other people, but let's just consider the perspective in all of these things we'll cover today. Let's first talk about tithing. Proverbs 3.9 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. So the first fruits were the first portion of the crop that was harvested. The word tithe is a Hebrew word that literally translates a tenth part. So when we bring all of that together, the idea of a tithe or a first fruit is the idea that the first 10% is being brought back to God in an honor of declaring who He is as our source. So tithing is the first and the best portion. Abraham tithed, Genesis 14, prior to God giving the law. Abraham tithed as a response to God's faithfulness. In God's law, in the Old Testament, the Israelites were required to give one-tenth of their livestock and their land's produce, their crops, their grain, their fruit, as well as a tenth of their income to show that they knew their blessings came from God. So tithing is this outward way, this outward expression of showing that we understand God's own every, God owns everything and He's allowing us to have the resources that we have. Okay, In Malachi chapter 3, God dealt with a people who robbed God by not obeying His instruction. And what was the instruction? The instruction was about giving their tithe, the first part of their income. Malachi 3.10, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Notice what God says in this. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Now, I want you to notice it doesn't say give the whole tithe. It says bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. I I don't want to just mince words here, but... If it's mine, I give it. If it's his, I recognize he gave it to me and I'm bringing it back to him. You see the difference? If it's mine, I give it. If it's his, I recognize he gave it to me and I'm bringing it back to him. I'm tithing not to say, look at me, look at what I'm doing, look at what I'm giving. I'm bringing back what's already his in a way of honoring him. He's allowing me to have what I have. He's allowing me to steward what I have. Now, if you read before and after these verses of Scripture in Malachi, those who refused to tithe would be cursed, and those who obeyed to tithe would be blessed. Much like the Scriptures, much like the teachings of Jesus, it comes down to, are we obedient to what He said? If we're obedient, we can expect His blessing. And that's not always just financial, let's be clear. That can be protection and good health, and you can go on down the line. But we are promised the blessings of God if we are obedient. If then, if we will obey, God will certainly keep His Word. Now, there are people in our world today, there's a lot of teaching out there on financial management, even on this principle of tithing. I've recently heard a a well-known minister down in Georgia that came out and said that that uh, he'd been teaching this wrong all along, and now he's basically turned away from the Scripture, and I don't know what he's preaching about giving now, but, but he, he basically refuted his own teaching from Scripture throughout the years. 
For those people who would say, this is kind of a relevant argument for some people, they would say, well, you're just being too legalistic. You're just trying to put a number on it. And, and in reality, tithing is just an Old Testament principle. It's just a, a law in the Old Testament. It was an action that the people of Israel in particular were supposed to do in their lives. To those who would say this is not relevant to the Christian who's under the new covenant living in relationship with God, I would say, first of all, I said a moment ago, Abraham did this prior to the law of God being instituted in response to the faithfulness of God. God included tithing as an expression in the law of love towards him from his people. The New Testament never told us to quit tithing. Okay, But actually, it's interesting, Jesus had a tendency to take the law, which people would fight over and write thousands of pages on how you should live it out. Jesus had a way of taking the law and turning the dial up. Now, let me give you an example. Uh, he says, you know, there's something in the law of Moses about how you can divorce your wife. He says, but I would tell you, if you've looked at a woman with lust in your heart, you've already committed adultery. See what I'm saying? He turned that dial up. It was like, no, it's not just about your outward actions. It's about the outward actions are just the fruit of what's really going on inside of you. There's a, there's a conception of sin that's happening in your heart. Your heart needs to be changed. And because your heart is not changed, you're already there mentally. You just hadn't completed the outward action. Now we're dealing with motives and the things that go on in our minds and our hearts already. <laughs> I can tell this is great today. Jesus taught a lot about money management, and the New Testament actually encourages us to a higher degree of selfless living and even sacrificial giving, even being willing to say, God, it's yours. I just want to honor you, and I want to help other people, and I want to be a part of your kingdom business. God invited us. Here's the part that I would really come back to, and let me just let me issue this challenge today. Um, I would challenge you to go back and read Malachi 3.10, as I quoted a moment ago, again. It's the one spot in Scripture that I find where God actually says, test me, try me. If, if you want to see God be faithful in this area in your life, then give it a try. You will see that God is faithful every time. I suspect I'm gathered with people today who have been tithers, who have been givers. And, and I don't look, and I said this early on in this little mini-series here, uh, I don't look at individual units and individual giving receipts. I just don't do those things. I've always had that practice just because I feel like I want you to honor God because you want to honor God, and I, I want things to operate that way with, between you and the Lord. So I don't look at those things. But I suspect in this room today, the reason why EPAG has been blessed to be able to send thousands of dollars a month to support missionaries all over the world, and the reason why we're considering more and more community engagement, and the reason why we're able to help people in need, and the reason why everything's functioning the way it is, is because there are people here today who've taken God at His word and been faithful to give and honor Him, and God has blessed you in return. And I bet there are people all over this room, even online, we could all say we've had those moments in life where we know God provided for us, God blessed us, God continued to bring about the things we needed in our lives. When we honor God, God is always faithful. Let me give you a couple of practical guidelines when it comes to the conversation of tithing. Much like anything else in the kingdom of God, tithing is a step of faith. So, so 
Pastor Chris, I, I hear what you're saying. I hear what the Scripture says. But, you know, I graduated with a bachelor's degree in math, and I know that 100% is greater than 90%. And I would tell you, in God's kingdom, 90% goes a lot further than 100 Why? Because it's God's economy versus the world's economy. Much like other principles in the kingdom of God, it is a step of faith. The question becomes, do you take God at His word? Do you believe and declare in your life that God is your source and your sufficiency? Will you believe in God and His principles even if there are no earthly benefits? Let me pinpoint one really quickly. I've said for a long time that I feel like at some point, and I could be way off, This is not a thus saith the Lord, this is a thus saith Chris, okay? I've said for a long time that I felt like there would come a point one day where people would have to choose, am I giving because I'm honoring God and I believe in His Word and I believe in His principles, or am I giving for the tax write-off? There will come a crossroad at some point. And it won't just be in this area of life. I think it'll be in multiple areas of life. And I think the American church is in for a rude awakening going forward to have to really deal with some of these crossroad moments that we've really never had to face. Because in the grand scheme, the American church has had it favorable from the authorities and powers that be. But I'm telling you that there can come some crossroad moments where you have to make a decision in your life. I'll have to make a decision in my life. Am I going to honor God and believe His Word even when it doesn't look the same in the natural rather than doing whatever the world is saying at that point? You will have those moments. So, will you believe in God and His principles even if there are no earthly benefits? Even if it doesn't make sense according to the world? People look at you and say, you do what with your first 10%? You just give it away? Didn't you work hard for that? Isn't it your money? Didn't you put in the time? You have to make a choice of, am I honoring God, even if it means looking silly in the minds of other people? Secondly, when you give the first 10% of your income to God, let me encourage you to set it on auto-draft on payday and let it be recurring just like all of your other bills that you do, and make sure it comes out and that you're not forgetting those things. That's just a practical thing. Because what can happen, and I've seen this play out in in lives, what can happen is you you get paid and you're focused on what else you've got to take care of, and then you get to the spot where you can't tithe because you've spent it all everywhere else. Honoring God here is with the first fruits, the first portion. So if you write a check, write that check out first. If you give in cash, pull that cash out first. If you give online, give online first. It, it, this is not about what I'm telling you to do. This is about how do we want to honor God and declare that He's our source and our sufficiency. So what I want to do is it, when I get paid, when that auto draft hits the bank, the first thing I want to do is make sure that I'm paying my tithe and make sure I'm saying, God, I wouldn't even have this auto deposit if it wasn't for you. Really, it, it, it kind of is that simple. Um, I've had a lot of people through the years ask questions like, uh, well, 10%, is that 10% of gross pay or is that 10% of net pay? And people get real technical about a lot of things. Now, I'll tell you that personally, uh, we give off of the, the pre-tax amount, uh, but I also give off of the tax refund if I get one. I also give off of that. If you give me a birthday card with money in it, I'd give tithe off of that. Some of y'all are stunned at the moment. My, what's my point? I recognize that if I get increase, it's from God. 
I'm not telling you to look at me. I'm not saying look at me in the sense of trying to... I'm just simply saying we have this mentality in our hearts that says, I want to honor God. I want to make sure that His work is going forth. I want to, I want to make sure that I'm keeping focus in my life, that if I have anything, it's because God has taken care of me. So I want to give back that percentage. Um, lastly, on the practical guidelines for tithing, I want to encourage you to start tithing. That sounds so simple, but if you're not doing it today, the tendency is for people to say, well, when I can afford to tithe, I will tithe. And I would flip that and say to you, you can't afford not to tithe. That in reality, you are prioritizing God, you're prioritizing His Word, you're prioritizing kingdom principles, so start. Do what God said. Take Him at His Word. Test Him in it. When I get more income, I'll start. Listen, I there can always be a reason for putting off what God tells you to do. If you're looking for an excuse, you'll always find one. And that doesn't relate just to money. That relates to obedience to God in general. If you're looking for an excuse, you can always find one. When God called some of the people in Scripture, they all had excuses for why they weren't worthy enough or great enough. I mean, Moses himself gave umpteen excuses of why he couldn't go and be the one talking to Pharaoh. We can tend to come up with, re well, it must not have really been God. Well, in this case, we've, we're pulling straight from Scripture here. This is no, there's no ambiguity of this was just some revelation that some man gave you on his own. This is about what God said in His Word. So we're taking Him at His Word. Faith in God starts now. Test Him. Try Him. Believe in His Word. Start doing those things. Because I don't look, you know that if you're feeling something in this conversation, it's between you and God, not me. Right? If, if there's any question mark with finances, it's between you and the Lord. Now, let's talk just a little further real quick, and I'm going to speed up just a little bit. There is also an opportunity in Scripture that talks about giving more above the tithe, and these are what we would commonly call in the church world more free will offerings, meaning you have free will and you have the free will to choose whether you give to it or not, and you give from what you have. You're not looking to, to steal money from somebody else to give it. You're not looking to grab your neighbor's wallet. You're not, you know, it's just what you have and what you're choosing to do. So in the Old Testament, there were times God required people to give different types of offerings, fellowship offering, sin offering, guilt, guilt offering, and, and even sacrificial giving. There were other times that people could choose to bring whatever offering they wanted to bring, especially on occasion for special projects. Here's the bottom line. I'm going to summarize it real quick. Giving offerings above tithing is a matter of the heart that desires not only to honor God, but to do more in advancing His work throughout the local church and the community and around the globe. It's, it's where you're at. It's where your resources are. It's what you believe the Lord is leading you to do in those ways. What does it look like? Well, today, uh, at times, God can lay on our hearts to give to a specific project or need. I've been in meetings, I've been in dinners, I've been in church services where someone is sharing a compelling vision about what God is doing somewhere else in the world. Uh, someone is, is raising funds to go as a missionary, someone is, is serving in some capacity. And I just feel that, that prompting, I don't know what else to call that, hopefully that connects with you today, that prompting, that nudge, that, that I feel compelled I need to be involved in this, and so someone can give to those things. At other times... It may be that we have additional resources. We come into this spot in life where we say, you know what? We, we just seem to be really, really blessed. We seem to have, have many resources. We've been able to pay the bills and take care of our family and do all of these things. And 
We just want to give above tithing to help resource other people. We want to give to meet other needs and further God's work. And this goes hand in hand with the last thing I'll go over with you, and that is meeting others' needs. So you've got these free will offerings, and and you've got the principle in Scripture that giving can be about helping others' needs as well. Acts chapter 4, verses 34 and 35, captures a picture of the early first century church. Listen to this. There were no needy persons among them, for from time to time those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Now, real quick, in case somebody gets confused, online or in person, this is not Scripture endorsing a socialist mentality. I'm not trying to get political on you. I'm just trying to make sure we clearly understand Scripture. This is not a, I'm being forced to take what I have and redistribute it to other people. This is, I'm choosing to maybe sell a piece of property, maybe sell a home, maybe sell a car, maybe even give one of any of those things away. I'm choosing because I have the resources to then give so that someone else's needs may be met. I'm not being forced. That's why the term has often come up about it being a free will offering. It makes sense? Everybody just nod your head or fall asleep, whichever. (laughs) Here's the deal. The Bible actually talks about, this doesn't get talked about probably enough, but the Bible actually refers to people who have a gift of giving or generosity. That there are people who God has entrusted resources to and, and they are able to steward them faithfully And God blesses them so that they are able to then use those resources to support God's efforts, whether that's in local ministry, local church, uh, evangelism, world missions, whatever the case. Jesus had people who helped sponsor his ministry, if you will. The apostle Paul had people who gave, church groups that chose to give. There are people with that gift of giving, gift of generosity. You may be one of those people. Additional resources can come from increase or surplus, and people want to give a portion to those that may not have. And then there may be other people who say, you know what, God's leading me to sacrificially give. Uh, he, he's leading me, I want to give, I'll just say it simply, I want to give till it hurts. I want to, I want to give in a way where I'm truly expressing my faith in God, but I really believe this is honoring Him and helping further this work, and I know He'll take care of my needs in response. I'll give you a few examples, opportunities for the offerings. Uh, We've talked a lot about missions. Part of our DNA is community engagement and world globalization, uh, world world reaching people, Um, special events. We're currently eliminating some debt that we have as a church because we made an expansion here just a few years ago, and we're continuing to aggressively pay that off. We want it to be gone. Uh, we are wanting to, I said earlier, we want to resource you beyond just Sunday morning. So we're working on assembling an opportunity for different people to speak into the sermon series that we do even during the week in some kind of podcast form so that we can continue these conversations further with people all throughout the weeks going forward. So there's a lot of different things that people can give offerings to. Lastly, let me wrap up with this. In all of these things, there's the promise of blessing. Now, let me be clear. We don't give to get. If, if your motive is giving to get, you, you've missed what God's saying. The motive is, God, I know you're going to take care of me. I want to give because it will further your work. We give in obedience. We give in love for God. We give in a desire for His work to be expanded. 
But God, however, did promise to take care of our needs, to give blessing, to bring return because of our obedience. Proverbs 3.10, we read it earlier, Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. Malachi 3.10, See if I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. And then let me finish on this passage, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6-8. through 8. And again, I can't cover all of this in a short amount of time, but let me try to tie a bow for today. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly, not under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able, love this phrase, and God is able to bless you abundantly. Abundantly. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly, life to the full. That doesn't just mean finances, but can God take care of your needs in that area? You better believe he can. I've seen him do it personally. I remember early on in marriage, we got married and we lived in a 400 square foot apartment. That's not an exaggeration. 400 square feet. I've always told people we grew up in two totally different homes. I grew up, if you got into a moment of intense fellowship, you've had that moment of intense fellowship till it was over. She grew up in the home where if you had a moment of intense fellowship, you walked away, everybody closed their doors, and two or three hours later, they came out and hugged it out like everything was okay. Can you imagine what that looked like in 400 square feet? There's nowhere to go. I don't care how intense it was. But, I mean, we were not making big bucks. Amber was in school when we got married, still continuing her education to finish up. I was working full-time over the housekeeping department, which just simply means I have experience in cleaning toilets. And, and I mean, it wasn't big bucks. When I started working in high school, I think I, think I was making $2.15 an hour, and I had to claim tips to make up the minimum wage, okay? two fifteen. So, we weren't making big money. But we made a decision early on we wanted to honor God. We, we believed in the principles of the Word. And I got to tell you, there were some times that we lived through some tight moments. And I saw God, we saw God, this was even before kids. This was before the $57 a can formula we had to buy for babies, okay? This was before all of that. I saw God numerous times bring about a financial blessing that I didn't even know was coming to take care of our needs he was always faithful he always did what he said he would do I'm convinced God will take care of his children the psalmist said it this way I was young, but now I'm old. And I know some of you laugh when I say that. But I was young, and now I'm old, and I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. God's always faithful. Much like other instructions from God, if we're obedient, he will bless, he will take care of us. And those blessings can come in resources, health, direction, wisdom, and so much more. So let's talk about how do we apply this first to our individual lives. Number one. Are you living in a way that prioritizes God in your finances? Do you declare, number two, that God is your source and sufficiency? 
Number three, do you believe in God's kingdom principles more than you believe in the world's economy? I'm not telling you not to invest. I'm not telling you not to be smart. I'm not telling you you shouldn't put money away for retirement, all those different things. I should probably be doing more of that because Social Security probably won't exist when I get to that age, okay? But, but really, the ultimate point being, do I believe in God's kingdom principles more than anything else? Am I honoring Him where I'm supposed to honor Him and then He will take care of providing in the rest. And then how does it apply to our church community, the EPAC community? We, we are uh, developing a culture of togetherness as a church. And so we're rallying around God's preferred future for EPAC. We're, we're helping our, our ministries and our, our efforts to align. And there's a synergy when we're all rowing the same direction, right? So when we all do our part in obedience... Not only are you personally honoring God in your resources, but then you're also joining with other people. And now I'm putting my resources and you're putting your resources and you're putting your resources and we're putting them all together to further God's work together. And much more can be accomplished in our community and around the world. I'm convinced, as simple as I know how to put it, that when you get to heaven, there are going to be people who know Jesus and made it into eternity because you were faithful to honor God with your resources. You may never step foot into even Puerto Rico. You may never step foot into China or Africa. We'll have people here later this year who are in all of those places that will share what God is doing. How are they getting there? How are they ministering? How are they living? It's because people like you are making sure God's work goes forward. Imagine what can happen when we all do that together. Would you stand with me today? I'm going to ask our prayer team members who are in service, this service today, if you would come and make yourself available on either side of the auditorium. Uh, prayer team members, of course, any of our leadership, you're welcome to come as well. Any of our board members or staff members that may be available, you're welcome to come and be ready as well. We have some prayer team members that they're, they're willing to pray with you. I know the Lord can use them to bring encouragement to you. I know the Lord can, can use them to help in, in seeking that wisdom from the Lord that you may need. But today, let's personally pray before we move from this moment. Would you bow your heads with me? God, I know that, um, I know that money in general can be a pretty sensitive topic for a lot of people. And there are likely online and in person all sorts of different financial situations. God, even as I prayed last week, I pray for those who may feel like today, I want to honor God, but I'm, I'm, not seeing, I'm not seeing a way out of my current situation. I'm dealing with some things. Lord, would you and your grace and your power, as they take those steps towards you and take those steps towards wanting to honor you, God, would you just supernaturally bring them into a different place and, and Lord, the, the things that are worrying them, the things that they're anxious about, um, Lord, maybe even they look back and they're, they're feeling some sort of way due to uh, what they feel is a bad decision. God, you're able to lead and bring us to a better. I believe that today, Lord. So I pray for every situation. I pray for those who are in a pinch. God, that you would continue to be faithful to bring them through this time. I pray, O oh Lord, that there would be people who would be encouraged that current situation doesn't have to be permanent. 
They can walk through this valley. They can walk through this season, through this moment that you do bring about new beginnings and new seasons, Lord. And God, I pray for those, Lord, who have, who have been able to, to find a number of resources throughout life, able to experience having a number of resources, Lord. Those who, Lord, have, have been able to be led and make some great decisions and all of those things. I pray today, O oh Lord, that you would just continue to, to prick their hearts as well, Lord. Attention to others' needs and your work around the world. And I just pray more than anything that over this entire community, this church community, as I pray personally, Lord, in my time, God, I pray in our church, Lord, may we steward your resources well. May we honor you in the decisions that we make that involve every resource. May more people be saved, more lives be changed, uh, more ministries be started. Whatever the case, Lord, I just pray in every way, Lord, that we would steward well. We would truly honor you. Thank you for that, Lord. Would you meet every need in this place and in this people? May we all take a step towards you today in every area of our lives, especially in what we've talked about today. Now, Father, I pray that you bless and keep this people and you make your face to shine upon them and be gracious to them. I pray your countenance, your favor, ever be turned in their direction and may you grant them your peace. May we know what it's like to live that life to the full, to the abundant, Lord. May we cherish every spiritual blessing and every resource you give us to live. Go with us, keep us safe and well, and Holy Spirit, would you prompt and lead us in every way. In Jesus' name, amen.